There's a small pause and the beginning of a new story. Deep tones. I think we can do it so that the piano plays it steadily but you take some liberties. You could come in later and in a silent way or at the time unnoticed. You have some choice. You have to find the moment with your spirit, hand, and ear. There has to be life in it, and you have to feel the growth. That's composer Arvo Pert working with two students from the Old Town Music School of the College of Education, Revala. This is in the town of Tallinn in Estonia, and it's from a DVD that we got on a trip to the Arvo Pert Center in Estonia. The DVD is called Plain Pert. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bosted. I'm going to be dedicating the whole show today to this trip that we took to the countryside in Estonia for the Arvo Pert Foundation, where we got some really wonderful material that has not been commercially released, like this DVD, Plain Pert. And we even have a track of Pert himself performing that we'll play a little bit later in the program. Pert had a very special affinity for working with young musicians. He thought they were the best equipped to play his music with honesty and purity, the kind of spiritual purity that he liked the best that we hear him talking about in the very, very beginning. Arvo Pert had been a 12-tone composer because that was the music in style at the time when he was studying, but he thought that it was not capable of expressing the spiritual longing that he really wanted to express, and so he sought a way forward. He did not write much music for several years, and then he discovered Tintinabili, which is inspired by bell-like sounds, very simple music, and arpeggios, but it was a format that he's been able to use in many different ways to express this very spiritual otherworldly music. In fact, he's become known as a mystical minimalist in large part because of this. Let's return to this beautiful music, Spiegel in Spiegel, or Mirror in Mirror, one of the early Tintinabuli pieces of Arvo Pert. These are the same students, Johannes Peter Sarapu and Jonas Matthias Sarapu, in the concert performance from this DVD, Plain Pert. Let's have a listen to this beautiful music by Arvo Pert. Thank you. 
I have discovered that it is enough when a single note is beautifully played. This one note, or a silent beat, or a moment of silence, comforts me. That's Arvo Parrott talking about his singular compositional style, and I think we really hear that ideal in that music, Spiegel im Spiegel, or Mirror Within Mirror. We heard Johannes Peter Sarapu and Jonas Matthias Sarapu, students from the Old Town Music School of the College of Education, Rivala, and we heard Parrott working with them a little bit before we heard the piece. He's telling them how to inject the spirituality and warmth that he wants into the music. On the surface, it may sound like that piece would be very, very easy to perform, and technically I suppose that it is, but when you really want to get what Parrot wants, which is this intense spirituality, and it's more like the performers are an empty vessel for this rather than injecting their own opinions and, and information into the performance, I think it's very, very difficult to do that, to get into the meditative state and make the music speak, almost as if it came from a higher power rather than a human being. That performance was a live performance that, again, is captured on this DVD, Playing Pert. We picked up a copy of it when we visited the Arvo Pert Center in Estonia, and we feel so fortunate to have material like this that I don't think is available anywhere else that we really did have to go to the Arvo Pert Center in order to get so that you can hear the composer himself working with these young students. While we were at the center, the staff was very, very friendly. They showed us all around. We had a wonderful opportunity to interview them. Here's a little bit of my conversation with Michael Pert, the composer's son, also the co-founder and the chair of the center. Well, back in the 70s, when Estonia was part of the, of the Soviet Union, um, certain limitations applied, and that also applied in the creative sector. So, And as a composer, you only had certain choices that you could make. And um, my father had, at certain stages, cross those boundaries, either as a provocation or beyond. So that eventually led to him being exiled to the West. So we moved through Austria to Germany, and that's where they lived for a number of decades. Um, it's only in the recent few years that they've moved back to Estonia. And about 10 to 15 years ago, we were first talking about how to bring their heritage that they have compiled, my parents have collected many of the things that they have, they have needed for their work, how, how we could bring that in some kind of a shape. Um, back then, around the year 2000, that was not, didn't have any particular meaning or direction, but eventually that led to us starting here, bringing all the things from Germany to Estonia, and us starting to systemize this and having a structure around this, which ultimately led to our foundation here at the moment, and to our future plans of, of building a new building for our center. How do you think that coming of age as an artist in a kind of repressive atmosphere like the Soviet Union at that time was affected his music? There's, there's a, always a sense of searching, a sense of looking for something. Do you think that the politics of the time affected that in your father's music? Most certainly. There's a lot of tension that comes from the outside that influences one on the inside. Um, so that probably helped him to endure and to keep going and ultimately find his system of the Tintinaboli, which then was released in the creative outburst in the years after he started writing in that system. That's Michael Parrott talking about his father's life in music and this journey that he took ultimately reaching the Tintinaboli technique, which was so freeing for him and a way forward out of this time of crisis. 
We were seated at a dining room table, which as it turns out was actually Arvo Parrott's dining room table. And everything in the center is like that. You look around, you see any object, and it's actually from his life. It's this incredible living museum. We were seated at the table for the interviews, but we had a great chance to take a tour with three members of the staff and walk around and really go through the archives and hear what everybody was saying. And my producer, Jesse McQuarters, decided to have the tape rolling the whole time, essentially as a reference point for us later when we were putting this show together. But as it turns out, some of the audio we got is just really incredible, and I'd like to share it with you. So this is us in the archives at the Arvo Parrott Center, literally paging through manuscripts and diaries. And the voice you're going to hear is Christina Kurver talking about Pert. It was the time of his crisis. He was looking for a new path, a new uh, musical language, and he didn't have it. He, he didn't know what to do. So he tried to go back in time and to maybe to deconstruct music until the basic elements like melody, rhythm, sound, text even, and uh, this is the phase or period when he just wrote melodies and the purpose was to free himself from any limits, any expectations, any, uh, any maybe any, any school stuff or any, any learned stuff and just to fly like a free melody. So they are like um, melodies without end, without any tempo markings, any dynamics, any rhythms, they're just melodies. And uh, the melodies are inspired from the psalm verses. So they are basically, he took one psalm verse, then he read it or sang it, and then just has his soul start to sing, he started to write it. And then, uh, as we can see, he wrote several pages uh, in one day. And when the day's work was over and the night has come, then we see a new uh, date on this. So this is all one day's work. One day's work, nothing, nothing more. Still one day's work. Only the psalms differ, some numbers. And so we have next day, 27th May, and the same work begins the melodies and of course um, uh, sometimes in 1976 uh, there comes this other voice not only this monophonic uh, melodies but the melody uh, with voice which in the future becomes Astinginabuli voice so it's all there like step by step how he reaches this gift of Tindinabuli. That's archivist Christina Kurver we're on a tour with her in the Arvo Parrott Center in the archives, and she's talking about how he reached Tintinabuli and all of those incredible melodies that he wrote. And you heard her paging through. There were an unbelievable number of melodies. He was really, really searching during this time. Let's hear what's widely considered to be the first piece in the Tintinabuli style from 1976. I'm going to read from the program notes of this film about Parrott. It says, Furalina can be considered as the key work in Arvo Parrott's Tintinabuli technique appearing in 1976 after many years of silence and marking a major shift in the composer's creative approach. Our pianist is Johanna Kivimeji.
That is the key work in the Tintinabili Technique by Arvo Perrett for Alina. We heard a live performance by pianist Johanna Kivimeji, again from this film, playing Perrett. We were able to receive a DVD copy of that when we visited the Perrett Center in Estonia, about 20 miles outside of Tallinn. That's a great example of the Tintinabili Technique, and we also heard a piece for cello and piano, so we've heard two pieces for relatively small instrumentation, but as Perrett developed as a composer, he would apply the Tintinabili technique to all kinds of different formats and would become very well known for his choral works. So I want to play a choral piece of his. This is from the Germany years, from 1990, actually between 1990 and 1992. It's the Berlin Mass. Not only is this a large-scale work for an orchestra and chorus, but it is also a piece in which he combines Tintinabili techniques with the setting of the Mass. I think that's a very interesting combination. We're going to hear two movements from the Berlin Mass, the Sanctus and the Agnus Dei, performed for us by the Estonian Philharmonic Chamber Choir and the Tallinn Chamber Orchestra, two new Kaliuste conducting.
Let's see the last two movements of the Berlin Mass by Arvo Perret. We heard the Sanctus and the Agnus Dei, and they are exactly where they're supposed to be in the traditional Mass format. I think this piece is very interesting because it is a hybrid of the traditional Mass form with Arvo Perret's Tintinabili techniques, and it shows off a much larger scale work that includes Tintinabili techniques. Those movements of the Mass were performed by the Estonian Philharmonic Chamber Choir and the Tallinn Chamber Orchestra, two new Kaliuste conducting. You're listening to Relevant Tones, a show featuring the music of contemporary composers. Today, I'm dedicating the show to a visit that I and my producer Jesse McCorders made to the beautiful, peaceful Estonian countryside and the Arvo Perret Center. You can find out more information on Facebook or on our website at relevanttones.com. I'm featuring the music of Arvo Perret on today's show, but not just playing his music. I'm featuring audio gathered on a recent trip to Estonia. Producer Jesse McCorders and I went in the field to the Estonian countryside and visited the beautiful Arvo Perret Center. I think location is very important for a composer, the sounds that he hears and the kind of environment that's in his music, and that's especially important for Arvo Perret. Here's the director of the Arvo Perret Center, Anu Kibilo, to tell us how the location was chosen. We are in the Laulasma, uh, Lahusalo Peninsula, which is about 35 kilometers out of the capital of Estonia, which is Tallinn. It's about uh, 45 minutes to come here by car or by bus. And this peninsula uh, is a pine forest trees and, uh, uh, and we have a sea. We, uh, at the moment, you can't see the sea from our center, so it's not in the, at the coast, but it's, the coast is very close. But this area has been quite important uh, for Arvo Bert, but uh, for Estonian musicians as general because many composers have had their, uh, have lived here or had uh, summer cottages here. And so the, uh, we, we even can say that the laulasma, the meaning in Estonian language is uh, land with sings. Uh, it refers not for the, for the people who are singing, but, uh, but for the sand which is singing. But we, we also, as Estonians, we love to say that we are the nation who sings as well because of of our song festival tradition and so on and so forth. Um, back when we were thinking of where we should start building our future centre and where we should be here, whether we should be in town, there were many arguments, pros and cons. And of course, it is difficult to de- deny that it would be much easier to, to build up a centre in an urban environment, in a city. Um, whereas what was important for my father in our case here is not to be in the midst of the noise and the busyness and the time it takes to travel from Tallinn to here for people to arrive is very good for them to arrive within so that the time they step out they're ready to be here Um, otherwise they're still somewhere else in their mind and they walk in and their mind is elsewhere still so I think that that rings a tone with with why my father wanted us to be here in Laulasma. That's Michael Parrott just adding to what Anu Kivilo was saying about the location of the Arvo Parrott Center. And having taken this trip, we took a ferry over from Helsinki and then a bus. It's about a little over an hour ride. And then even once you're off the bus, you still have to walk on these idyllic roads in the back country. And it's not so, so easy to find. And I think that it absolutely does transport you into a very receptive mind. Because when you arrive, you're in this kind of very meditative 
place. So but it was a great decision, I think, to put the center there and not in the city. It's very hard to imagine Arvo Parrot in an urban environment. You can't imagine, really, this composer having lived anywhere else in many, many ways. So I thought it might be fun to feature a little bit of an Estonian lullaby, and it's from this film that we got while we were there called Plain Parrot. Let's have a listen to Estonian Lullaby, written in 2002 by Arvo Pert. We're going to hear the girls' choir of the Old Town Music House. little taste of the Estonian countryside in which Arvo Perk grew up. That's Estonian lullaby. It's not a setting of a folk song. It's his original music, but the text is very, very traditional. It's a lullaby. It means hush, hush, my darling. Very beautiful performance by the girls' choir of the Old Town Music House. Again, off this DVD playing Perk that we picked up while we were visiting the Arvo Perk Center. We have a very special treat for our listeners on today's program, and that is a version of the Our Father prayer here called Vater Unser by Arvo Pert, and we're going to hear Pert himself performing it with a boy soprano. We're going to let Christina Kurtover tell us about it. This is one of the pieces, actually, which doesn't have a strict Tintinabuli formula in it. But when you listen to the piece, then you hear that actually the texture or the harmony and the general sound is still somehow connected with this Tintinaboli uh, sound world we know. So it's written almost without drafts, like a spontaneous outburst 
at the piano, it might sound a bit romantic and I don't know any other pieces that are created in that way in, in Arvabart's work. So it's, uh, in this sense, it's this compositional process is uh, very exceptional and not usual at all. But then this other uh, story behind this work is that um, when the years passed and uh, Pope Benedict had its uh, 60th anniversary of priesthood, then this piece occurred to be a very proper present, a very beautiful present to celebrate this uh, beautiful anniversary. And uh, it just happened that Arvo Pärt and this countertenor Heldur Harri Pulda, they were asked to participate this uh, holy ceremony and they had the chance to perform this before Pope and to the Pope. And it was a very festive occasion, of course. And uh, I think uh, it really is uh, one of the pearls in Arvabart's creation, in a sense of this free spirit and somehow like a song-like atmosphere. Let's have a listen. We're going to hear Heldur Haripulde, boy soprano, with Arvo Pärt at the piano. Vater Unser. Thank you. 
It's a very beautiful setting of the famous Our Father prayer, Vater Unser by Arvo Pert. We heard the composer himself at the piano, and that beautiful singing was by a boy soprano, Heldur Haripulde. Again, this piece was performed for the Pope, Pope Benedict, for whom it was dedicated. Very beautiful music by Arvo Pert. Let's return to the Arvo Pert Center and this wonderful tour that we were given. Now we're outside of the main body of the center. We went through the backyard and into another house, a kind of coach house in the back and up the stairs where there's an incredible wealth of material that was archived by Pert's wife, Nora. I think it's one of the great stories. It seems very romantic to me that Nora Parrott very lovingly kept all the reviews and articles and uh, scores and all the different materials relating to Arvo Parrott's career and then donated them to the center. And here they are in this room with us. And one of the most exciting things that we were shown was not only the score for Adam's Lament, one of Parrott's monumental pieces, but also the sketch that led up to it. And by sketch, I, I mean this is a very detailed sketch. It was at least 12 pages long. She opened it up for us and, and folded it out. Looking at a picture that we took of it, it shows all the different sections. He certainly knows the dramatic arch of it, where the tension is going to be, where the release is going to be. He's pasted religious iconography into it. And I mean truly pasted. This is like a collage, an incredible thing. And uh, Christina Kurver, who was showing us all of this, had to put on white gloves even to handle these materials because the paper is very, very delicate. Let's return to this room right now in this tour and hear her tell us about this piece. This is the outline of Adam's Lament, which is now the, the most recent large-scale work of Arvo Pärt and, and probably one of his uh, main works, even in the context of his whole work. Because uh, Adam's Lament, which uh, has gained a lot of attention recently and, and being performed quite often and with great success and winning Grammy as a recording and so on, actually Arvo Pärt uh, wrote Adam's Lament for, I could say, for 20 years. Of course, not constantly 20 years, but the ideas first came back in 90s, beginning of early 90s. And uh, at first, he didn't start to write score, of course. But as the Adam's Lament uh, deals with the philosophical subject of Adam and the original scene, and its consequences. So it, it need, uh, needed uh, some time to just grow mm -hmm. as an idea and into music. And as you can see, there are hardly any notes here, this sum, but still um, these uh, texts, uh, text uh, structured and um, some as a sections of uh, mm -hmm. these future works. Yeah. Yes, uh, again, dramaturgical uh, lines drawn here, and so on. So, uh, actually, um, I think quite a usual work for a composer to do. No one starts to write scores immediately, but uh, a very interesting archival material for us to keep and show and, and to research and, and investigate and so on. That's an excerpt from our tour of the Arvo Pert Center. We were in the back building up in the attic looking at this incredible sketch for the piece Adam's Lament by Arvo Pert, and that was Christina Kruver telling us a little bit about it, and you can hear her paging through the score. She's actually wearing white gloves so she doesn't hurt this old, very fragile paper. And looking at that sketch of the piece is just incredible. There are no notes on it at all, but it is a very valuable insight into the composer's mind as he was planning this large-scale work that I think is a very monumental piece in his output. 
So monumental, in fact, that we won't be able to play the whole thing because it's rather long. So we're going to excerpt as much as we can. This is Adam's Lament. We're going to hear the Latvian radio choir, Vox Clamentus, Sinfonietta Riga, Antonio Caliusta is the conductor.
Huge forces required to perform that work. We heard an excerpt of Adam's Lament by Arvo Pert, very new piece for him from 2009. It's off a disc that won a Grammy for Best Choral Performance, and the piece, Adam's Lament itself, was up for Best Contemporary Composition. We heard the Latvian Radio Choir, Vox Clamantis, Sinfonietta Riga, and Tony Kaliusti was the conductor. Beautiful music by Arvo Pert. Well, obviously, there's so much music by Arvo Parrot to choose from, so I tried to choose music that's specifically related to our trip to the Arvo Parrot Center. It was just so amazing to get to meet everyone there and see what they're doing, and they're off to a very, very good start, but they have big, big plans. They're planning to move the center and enlarge it and have room for musicologists to come, so I imagine a time in the not-too-distant future when I might be able to go back and see all these people busily working on Arvo Parrot's music, musicologists studying, other people archiving, communicating with other people interested in his music all around around the world. And it's good to know that the Arvo Parrot Center, as amazing as it is already, is only in the beginning stages of this incredible journey. Relevant Tones is produced by Jesse McCorders, with special thanks to Anu Kivalo, Christina Kurver, and Michael Parrot. For more information about the program and the artists we featured, you can find us on Facebook, and you can hear this and all previous programs at relevanttones.com. More information about the Arvo Parrot Center can be found online at arvoparrot.ee. Relevant Tones is brought to you in part by the generous support of GCM Grubner, the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music, an anonymous donor, and the listener supporters of the WFMT Fine Arts Circle. I'm Seth Bostead, and this is the WFMT Radio Network.